Welcome to episode 923 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, I am doing uh, well this Sunday, uh, considering I have just three fewer hits in the race with runners in scoring position this uh, week. So, yeah, good times. Uh, ran five miles this morning as part of the, the race of this virtual 5K thing. And I, I was like, yeah, 5K, I'll just run 5M instead. So went ahead and did that, uh, feeling good, because it is some uh, pretty awesome weather here still in Charlotte. Woke up, it was in the 50s, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of this stuff. Yeah, it's it's 9 a.m. right now. I'm, I'm in t-shirt and shorts out here in California. So weather is uh, starting to be a lot nicer, and I'm sure that will turn to very hot very quickly. Uh, joining us today is a special guest. We have Micah Henry. Micah, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, a little, a little drained from too much LB the show, guys. It's a, it's an addictive game if you haven't got it already. But I'm I'm doing well. I I've been like I I got the PlayStation finally after years and years and years, like a decade, of asked my wife to get let me go get a new PlayStation. Uh, and I have yet to hook it up. It, it's just been sitting in a box in my bedroom since Christmas. I'm just afraid. I'm afraid that, like you said, it's addictive and that I've got too much going on to like actually play it. Yeah, if I had more responsibilities, I think I'd be in a bad, a bad place right now. But we're, we're, we're young. We're, you're on, we're, I have some time on my hands. <laughs> Micah, remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then talk about what you do in the industry. Yeah, you can find me again at uh, Fantasy Central One. That's the number one, and I write currently for uh, Fantrex.com, uh, DoLikeFancy.com, and RotorRings.com. And uh, I also have a podcast, Fancy Insiders, that hasn't had any episodes in the last few months, just for you know life, life, you know, is coming at you. But we'll hopefully be back up sometime this summer and doing episodes again on the regular. So look out for that. Nice. Well, you're one of my favorite new people in the industry. Those threads you do that break everything down are so invaluable. Definitely go follow Micah over on Twitter. All right. We're going to, uh, we're going to talk some news and notes, and then we're going to talk about some, uh, kind of surprising stat lines from struggling players. We, we did some surprising stat lines from some guys who weren't struggling last week. So I thought it's not a real big fab weekend. It doesn't, there's not a ton of guy guys out there to go and pick up. So, Obviously, you're you're filling holes if you need to, but not enough to do a whole section on Fab this week, I don't think, at least. So, uh, but let's start with Dustin May. Leaves his start yesterday with what looks like a UCL injury. It was pretty ugly. Jason, are how worried are you on Dustin May now? Yeah, it's not going to be May, unfortunately, and that had to be said just because Boo. it was there. Uh, but. Yeah, very. Uh, when I first saw it, I, I, I texted you last night and said, that's UCL. Uh, and because I, I've seen it too many times before, the one that always comes back to me is Matt Moore. When he was when he tore his, he was on the mound in Kansas City and he threw it. And like your initial, you watch the arm and it's like all of a sudden they, they want to pull it back because it being extended is where it hurts. But he knew right away uh, that something wasn't right. And, they, and they, they treated it like a hockey injury. They said right arm injury. It's like, no. Duh. Uh, so it's I, I honestly, if, if this comes out as anything other than uh, a torn UCL, I'll be stunned because uh, it just it has just watching it live. And I was like, yikes, that that's that's no bueno. Uh, and it just sucks as somebody has uh, reminded me. It's like somebody is, is out there saying that, you know, every arm is just like a loaded gun. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, no, you know, vert, happens to Vertlander, happens to a young kid. 
kind of all over the place. Typically, when you get through spring training in the first few weeks of the season, you're out of the danger zone as much because a lot of these injuries tend to happen when these guys pick it back up in the offseason. But here we are. You know, this was week five, uh, and that uh, that doesn't look good. And this is honestly the last thing the Dodgers need because they, uh, they're they running out of arms. I mean, they've got Josiah Gray, who I love, uh, and they've got Tony Gonsolin uh, that could come up, but they're not – I don't think they're ready to jump right into the rotation. So they're going to have to piggyback it. And you look at what happened last night with uh, because of that, every member of their bullpen pitched last night. Alex Vezia, Mitt, uh, Mike, uh, Mitch White, Jimmy Nelson, Scott Alexander, uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett Clevenger came in right after the injury. Victor Gonzalez, Blake Trinan, Kenley Jansen, Dennis Santana. All of those guys pitched last night. Five of them pitched the day before. Like, they desperately need somebody to soak up some innings today. And that may be, like, David Price may be the dude. If I, I Honestly, I don't even remember if he's healthy right now at the moment. But they need some innings today from somebody because this bullpen – uh, has just worked hard in this series this weekend. Uh, and, you know, Gonsolin or, or Gray should come up. Obviously, if uh, either one of them come up, you want to get those guys. Uh, Gray, longer term, I really like Gray. Uh, uh, but that's uh, an unfortunate injury overall. Yeah, uh, Gonsolin's out on the IL as well with shoulder, shoulder strain. Um, and, and so is Price. So, it, so how's Bob Welch? Is he around? Yeah, I, I honestly don't even know. Michael, what are your thoughts on Dustin May getting hurt? And then is there anybody in this? Because, I mean, we were talking about the Dodgers having such a stacked rotation. We didn't know what to do with them. And now we're entering May and they are they've got a big hole to fill. So is there anybody within the organization that you'd be interested in? Or do you think they're just going to kind of have to piecemeal this together? They might have to do things like, you know, how how other teams, you know, piggyback guys, openers, stuff like that. They might have to go that direction with their death being tested. I mean, Jason hit on the head with all the, you know, injuries and, you know, everything. Just, you know, their their death is just not there right now. So, I mean, they could throw David Price into, into the rotation, which uh, seems it seems ideal if he's healthy. But, I mean, I don't know. I I'm not... I don't know. I'm 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 kind of worried about them. I mean, for DFS purposes, I guess you can say that if you face you know one of those opener days, you can you know line up your guys against them. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not too optimistic about their situation right now in general. Yeah, I I I don't even know what they're gonna do because David Price on the IL with a hamstring injury, uh, Gonson's on the IL with a shoulder injury. This may be a yeah. situation where we see them try to address it via trade. Maybe they yeah. go and try to get like a I don't know Tyler Alexander or something like I I, I really don't know what what they're gonna do I'm sure they'll find they, they always find gems out of nowhere right like <laughs> they found Tony Gonsolin out of nowhere they always find these guys that come up and are just fine so it's probably Mitchell White that is the guy who they're gonna try to stretch out but uh, at this point I, I don't know but. Just kind of a bummer news. I mean, May looks so good. The this, this stuff was actually getting swings and misses, um, which, it, you know, typically pitches the contact. So, I mean, this was going to be a huge breakout season for him. And we never never know, right? Maybe he's fine. But it, it, like Jason said, it looked like a UCL popping uh, on the mound. Uh, the next uh, bit of news is Travis Darno uh, heads the IL. And I think they put him on the 60-day IL. They did. Uh, yeah, so they're bringing up uh, William Contreras, uh, who is uh, somewhat of a top prospect, uh, and then they are also got Alex Jackson on this team. What are you doing if you just lost Travis Darno there, uh, Micah? 
I'm I, I I'm not a catcher guy, so I'm probably I'm probably gonna drop him. You know, there's probably the Wilson Ramos out there, or uh, maybe even Danny Jensen now with Alejandro Kirk going down. So I mean, there's always gonna be options out there for catchers. So I unless you you know unless you really want to hold him, I I just drop him. Yeah, like Micah said, Alejandro Kirk uh, hit the IL two this morning um, with a hip flexor. I yeah, I mean I think if if he's going on the sixty day sixty day IL, he's not coming back anytime soon and uh i mean unless you're in a two a really deep two catcher league you just can't hold a guy like that um if, if you're hurting for il spots jason are you picking up alex jackson or william Contreras, um or are you just kind of looking outside of the organization for your fill-in uh i was trying Contreras. if anything i mean they're also activating jeff mathis Ooh, yikes uh, I, I can't believe Jeff. I mean, Jeff Mathis. It's know, amazing. Still, He's guess, still in the league. I just, right. Right. Still in the league. Um, yeah. I was trying to think like what else could be out there. It's like, if you really want to do a dart throw on Luke Maley and if he can put surprise with you home run from here and there, Austin Jackson, same type of thing. Uh, Bar shows back up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah. You came back up as well. So you may have to be aggressive because if you had Darno, it's not like you had him cheap. Yeah, he, he he did not come cheap, so you're you've just lost a lot of production that you probably took in the middle teens uh, with that, and so it may be worth your while to uh, get aggressive with Varsho, even though you know Justin, you don't like him. Uh, I don't. I think he's going <laughs> to hit just fine. I don't like him. Now, as I'm a not catcher. saying I'm crazy about it, but like if if I've lost Darno, it's like as Michael said, you know, you can decide. Okay, fine. I'm just going to punt it. I'm just going to have a second catcher and. And go from there. Uh, you know, try to try to find something to get into my lineup and, and reallocate resources elsewhere. But the problem is when you you took Darno, you know, he was a, a part of your offense because you know pre he was projected to hit in the middle of a very talented lineup. You were looking at you know 70, 80 RBIs from there, uh, and so it's quite the drop off. Uh, and you have to just uh, adjust accordingly because 60 days is really tough to, to, to carry. Matt's a legit 60 that puts him. All of May, all of June, you know, we talk about it's never just 60 days. I could put them past the all-star break. So now you're looking at the middle of July. Um, and in an NFBC format, it's just impossible to carry. The, right now, just because of all the other injuries you're dealing with, I think all of us have at least two guys on our seven-man bench hurt, if not more. Um, I brought it up on last week's uh, episode. I have uh, six guys on my IL and my home NL league. Uh, I have I don't have an active reserve guy on my AL bench. I can't find one. They're either in the minors or they're hurt. <laughs> it's like I can't cut any of these guys. Uh, I think I may have gotten one in Fab last night. I forget, but it's just it's been really tough to find guys. And so you just it, there's worse penalties. I mean, if this was like your corner guy or something, it's one thing. At least this is catcher. Uh, and so you can. You know, everybody's feeling that pain right now with with a few guys, uh, catchers, you know, stick, or the Alejandro Kirk owner, because, again, he wasn't going cheaply. Uh, and uh, a couple of other catcher, catcher injuries are out there. So this is a shared pain. Just kind of deal with it as you can. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons I kind of stayed away from Darno. He's been great the last few years, but I think people may have discounted uh, the fact that he's been injured the majority of his career as well. And just, Go get Mike Zanino, baby. Uh, Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson right now is hitting 372, 413, uh, 488. He is. That's crazy. In a lot of leagues. 
That's insane to me. I mean, that that he shouldn't even be available. He was kept in my home league. I tried. I you know, I really hate being that dude. But like, I pulled one of those. Like, I can't. I nominated Tyler Stevens. Somebody's like, he's kept, and I like, I never do that. But I did it there because I was like, hey, how was like, he should be available. I'm, I was gonna pull it up in CBS to see what his, uh, to see what his uh, ownership rate is in in, uh, uh, in CBS leagues. Uh, rostered in 13% of leagues. Yeah. That's insane. He hasn't so, had yes, much power yet, but he, he is, he is hitting. CBS league. Yep. Tyler Stevenson should not be unemployed in yep. your league. All right. Let's uh, move right on over. Uh, we did mention just quickly, Alejandro Kirk, he hits the IL with hip flexor. Uh, Danny Jansen should be the guy who gets the most amount of uh, uh On that, though, uh, Jesse Morris on Twitter was talking about that this morning and said this could be like a six-week thing with him. This couldn't be a, just a minor. I mean, uh, Jesse's got some stuff um, about it. Uh, hip flexors can be a little tricky due to his position, importance of the hip flexor for hitting. He might need 14 to 35 days, depending on severity. Grade one minimum, grade two, at least two weeks up to six. Uh, that's where things are. Uh, and by the way, he also said that uh, – Dustin May shooting sensation and pitching arm. Mm. So that to me would be a uh, yeah, a pretty an good acute, an acute situation. Yeah, uh, no more tomorrow. He has an MRI in Chicago tomorrow. Yeah, it's a bummer on Kirk. Kirk had been uh, hitting better after starting the season just dreadfully slow. Yeah. Um, Corbin Burns is not starting today. Uh, they have not yet said whether he's going to hit the IL or not, but. Micah, Burns has been fantastic this year. How how uh, worried are you on Burns right now? Did they say, because they initially didn't announce what the injury was, did they say if it was an illness or an actual injury? Undisclosed. Undisclosed still? That's, it's yeah. been like three, four days. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not worried yet because I don't, don't know what's going on, but I'm assuming it's just COVID related. That's what I'm. I'm not hoping for it because I don't want anybody to be sick. Obviously, but I'm. 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 You know, I wouldn't. What I don't. I hope it's not like a serious. You know, structural injury or anything like that. Sounds like COVID protocols. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if he came into contact with someone, or or maybe he tested positive, and uh, and they're just they're hoping that it's one of those things where oh he's been placed on the IL. So there we go. A little bit of break. Well, yeah, I mean, when you have with COVID, you can do that with COVID. It's, oh, that's it's not, right. You know, Ten days, you can just mm-hmm. come in and out. A lot of these guys are, uh, you know, they're feeling symptoms of the uh, second vaccination type of thing, and they'll be on for a day, and then they come back. Yeah, so he's he's not coming back today. Just kind of keep an eye on it. It sounds like, uh, you know, probably either came to contact or got sick or something. So uh, hopefully he'll be fine. I mean, he's just been absolutely stellar so far this year. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, uh, he left the game yesterday with a finger contusion. Nimmo has been absolutely on fire this year. Uh, so it's a bit, uh, uh, concerning that he might be out for a little while. Jason, what are your thoughts on Nimmo? Uh, x-rays negative on the finger, which is good news. Uh, so, you know, he had, he got hurt, uh, in the seventh inning on Saturday, but x-rays were negative. So, uh, hopefully just day to day, uh, with him, uh, just a big Nemo fan. Uh, really was targeting him this offseason uh, because of what he's been able to do. I mean, the average has been all over the place, but like in an OBP league, this dude, his lowest OBP at the major league level uh, in a full season is 375. I mean, this guy is just money for getting on base. 
I had him pegged as a guy that was going to be one of the league leaders and run scored. That's not panning out well because nobody else on the Mets is really hitting. Dude, and so Nimmo has seven runs on the season. Seven. <laughs> it's it's insane. He, yeah, he's been leading off all season long. He's got a four. He got base forty four percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. He's got a four thirty on base percentage, and uh, he's got seven runs. It's just uh, the nice thing is he's stealing a little bit. Um, he's already gotten two stolen bases, which eclipsed the fifty five games he played in last year. Uh, Micah, are you uh, a big Brandon Nimmo fan? Definitely an OBP. I'm. If I ever play OBP, which I just started like last year, I tried to get Nemo in a, in, a, in a couple leagues. So yeah, he's definitely a guy. I'm like, all right, I need him on my team. But yeah, this this news hopefully doesn't keep him out for for too long. But I mean, yeah. At the same time, you guys mentioned the run scored. You know, Lindor is not hitting. Um, Conforto got off to a slow start. Uh, Don Smith. A lot. A lot of guys off to a slow start. So I mean. Even when he's healthy, his his run ceiling right now is a little limited. But I expect that to get going as they get you know as the weather warms up and everybody gets more comfortable in their positions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just been really strange. I mean, this was an offense I was really excited to see that on paper before the Lindor trade, they they looked like a pretty damn good team. And then uh, you know, obviously getting Lindor added to that is is huge. Uh, but it is it has been very slow going. Uh, I mean, I like you said. I think as things heat up, they'll probably start to heat up as well. So I'm not I'm not super worried about uh, the Mets offense at this point. Hey, can we add another injury? Of course, <laughs> we can. Roberto Perez plans to play through a broken finger. He has a non-displaced fracture in his right ring finger, but he's going to play through it because he's like, look, I, you know, I love my team and I don't want Austin Hedges to play more. Uh, so I guess that's what. I'm just trying to read between the lines, but it's not like, I mean, Perez is off to a miserable start anyhow, uh, but this can't help. Jesus. I mean, yeah, catching injuries. I mean, this is one of the reasons why, you know, I think we talk about it quite a bit uh, kind of coming into the season or into draft season. Catchers get hurt, right? Catchers are the position that get hurt the most out of any, you know, offensive position. Obviously, pitcher it gets hurt a little bit more, but uh, this is kind of what happens. Guys get nicked up. And I'm assuming you talked about Omar Narvaez uh, the oh. last episode, him going on the hand, him. But so the the uh, the sheriff of Nottingham has returned to Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee DFA'd him. Seattle claimed him, and then Milwaukee traded for him back to Seattle. So he's like round trip boomerang there. So uh, yeah, he's up uh, too. But you know, the sheriff's never been much of a hitter anyhow. Which is so a, yeah, uh, he is starting today uh, against the Dodgers. Well, because they're. They're missing both of their starting catchers. Yes, Manny Pena and uh, and Narvaez. So it's <laughs> catching injuries are just all over the place, man. Insane. All right. Well, hopefully people have uh, backups. We we threw out a few names out there. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of these kind of struggling uh, players uh, with you know pretty much awful stat lines. Let's start with Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope is currently hitting uh, one ninety eight, two thirty, two eighty four. Uh, has started to show a little bit of power, but uh, it's just been absolutely dreadful to start the year. So, Micah, what are you doing with Jonathan Scope? He's always been a guy I like more in points league just because he always will supply power when he's healthy for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, unless it's like a, one of those deeper leagues and you really need like a guy in your middle, middle infield, I'm not too keen on holding him. But I mean, when I think of when I think of the scope, I think like 265, 260, 25 home runs. So I mean, he still has that type of upside, but you know, he's he's hard to roster right now, just given that he has a you know, you know, we know what his ceiling is, so you know what you're going to get, even if he does get going. 
Jason, are you, are you holding on to Jonathan Scope? Yeah, you know, he he was somebody that I was excited about in the offseason only because I kept seeing him fall. He was I ended up with him in the reserve rounds in a number of places. I'm like, this is an everyday guy. He's going to hit in the middle of a lineup, and he's just falling in reserves in 15 team leagues. It wasn't like yeah. we're talking 10 to 12. He was falling in the and, – and so far he's validating his his ADP. <laughs> uh, and when you look at it, it's like he, he can still hit the ball hard. I mean, this is a guy who's max uh, exit below – Every season has been over 110. This year, 112 max velo. But the biggest issue is the strikeouts. I mean, he is way behind. I mean, his normal strikeout rate's low 20s. He's 30% right now. He's just not making contact. And but it's really tough because he's a streaky dude. I mean, when he gets on a when he gets on a heater, he gets on one. Um, but we're we're looking at you know, we're looking at a 250 plate appearance span of him barely touching league average production. Now, over the last 50, things have been trending in the in the right direction if you go to Savant and check things out. So, I mean, he was in the abyss. And then the last 50, the, the line's trending in the right direction. So, like, my advice would give him another week. Uh, and if it's not, then it's like – and I ha- and I'm saying this because I have him in two of my five leagues um, still. I would uh, – at that point, I would move on if that trend doesn't continue moving in a positive direction because he has been league average over the last week. And you may be able to get him super cheap if somebody dropped him last week in NFC or whatever to throw that in and see what happens out of it. Yeah, I'm a big Jonathan Scope guy. So I'm – I'm dropping him in my 10 and 12s, right? So, well, I'm not in any 10s, but I'm in 12s. And I am dropping him in my 12s and just cutting him for the next guy, right? Uh, but in 15s... I the schedule. I mean, this week he's got at Boston and Minnesota on a six-game week. It's not a bad schedule. So, yeah. but He's got KC and the Cubs and the Mariners, then the Royals again, then Cleveland. So, it's like he's got a... A decent run of familiarity, uh, then also playing at Fenway. So at least this week, I mean, just what at Boston and Minnesota, what their pitching was uh, right now, he's worth carrying at least one more week. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I've got him in both my main events and my uh, TGFBI teams. So those are two places, or you know, pl- three places that uh, I'll be holding on to him for a little bit. Just gonna probably hit the bench in in most of my leagues. Uh, as long as my IL situation isn't too bad, but like I've got them also in the online championship. That's I'm probably just going to cut bait in twelves, and I think that is the right decision. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle has really, really struggled to start the season. Uh, he's currently hitting uh, 198, 229, 286. There were a lot of people who were anti Mountcastle, and then there were a lot of people who were pro Montcastle, who's a very polarizing player coming into the season because of his underlying metrics. So Jason, where were you at on Mountcastle and where are you at on him now? See, it's tough for me. He played baseball with my godson all throughout Little League. <laughs> and they uh, they still get together and play online games as we were talking later. So it's like, I want to see this dude succeed. And apparently Baltimore does too because they keep throwing him out there. And it's not like they're throwing him out there in the bottom of the lineup. He's still hitting fifth, fifth sixth, or seventh. Like I'm looking at our lineup tracker. Um, and the, you know, the lineup's not out today, but he hit six yesterday, fifth the day before, six, seven, 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 five, day off, six, three. So they're still leaving him out there uh, for better or for worse with things. But it, it kind of picks up the, the struggles that he's having out of the gate really pick up on where things were in the spring. I, I don't recall. I wish I could remember who to give credit to on this. But somebody made the observation during March. It's like, hey, he's not playing that often during spring training. And when he is, he's hitting down in the lineup. 
And so like he was and his numbers weren't that good during spring. And so somebody made the observation, like I'm fading because I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing anything and carrying over. He's just off. Yeah. The numbers really do not look good. And then much like, uh, much like scope, the strikeout rate is way up from where it was last year. And everything right now is what it is. Uh, and it's like in a shallow league, you've got to move on and take something else long term. If you're in a, in a keeper league, I can't recommend dump, uh, cutting them. I just can't. In a reset league, uh, looks like you have to. I don't see anything pointing to better days are ahead. This has just been a, a long run of below average production. Mike, are you cutting bait on uh, Ryan Mountcastle? Yeah, like Jason said, if it's a you know more shallow league, I'm more inclined to do so. But I mean, you look at his you know his quality of content metrics; they're kind of the same from last year. He's actually had he actually had his hardest hit ball of the year this season, which is interesting. But I mean, hardest hardest hit ball of his career this season. But I mean, yeah, it's, 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 his profile is interesting right now. I mean, I'm not if I need a first baseman, I might hold him. You know, he has three stolen bases for a first baseman, which is kind of interesting. But I don't know if that'll continue, but I mean, yeah, he he isn't a guy that will probably live up to that three thirty-three average he had in twenty twenty, which is kind of what we should have expected. But yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a guy that I'm only holding if I kind of believe in him, if I kind of don't have to drop him, you know. Yeah, Mountcastle was a guy that I was excited about coming into kind of early part of draft season in November and December, and then as I dug and dug and dug, I started seeing a lot of kind of red flags, and I started cooling on quite a bit. Uh, I think, obviously, in 15-team leagues, it's hard to drop a guy like this. He's playing every day. He's in, you know, I think an underrated lineup in Baltimore. They've got, you know, they've got Cedric Mullins, the god, in that lineup. So, um, Have you pulled a hamstring on your victory lap yet? Dude, I, just, I, I just, as long as he stay, I mean, he could pretty much just say, like, 250 rest of the way, and I, I would still turn a profit on my early shares on uh, yeah. on on exactly. Cedric Mullins. No, so congrats. It was an awesome call. It's worked out really well. A lot a lot better. And I, I know I gave you a lot of flack. Uh like, oh, you're gonna take him in your nineteenth league out of sixteen leagues. Good for you. Yeah. Um, but he's the only it, player of mine doing well. I've gotta I've got to <laughs> enjoy enjoy the victories because there's gonna be so many more losses. He's doing it. Uh but I I tend to believe in Mount Castle's talent. I think part of the problem right now He's making good contact inside of the zone, and he's just swinging and missing a ton outside of the zone. And so there has to be a little bit of an approach change and not be so aggressive on every single pitch uh, that's thrown to him. And if he can do that, I think things will turn around. He's probably like a 250 hitter, 20-plus home run. So that's that's kind of what what you're looking at with a guy like Von Castle. But valuable because he has that first base and outfield eligibility. I would try to hold him. If I can, Camden warms up in the summer and it's a different place to hit. Uh, Willie Castro, uh, he's a guy that got a lot of love, especially towards the end of draft season. And I actually jumped on board uh, that train as well. Uh, he has really struggled to start the season hitting uh, 200, 234, 289 so far. Only one home run, no stolen bases. Micah, are are you uh, cutting bait on Willie Castro? Mm, only if I see a better option out there, because you know I've seen questions where you know should I pick pick up say I don't know Freddie Galvis for him or something like that. And no, I mean we know kind of we we know Freddie Galvis is upside, but Willie Castro is still a young guy who's still adjusting to MLB pitching, and he has and it's crazy he had a 
he has a 115.4 max exit velocity this year, which is elite, but he doesn't do that enough. So, you know, his heart percentage is down kind of. But, I mean, it, and his contact skills aren't that, you know, aren't that good. But, I mean, he's still a guy that I want to hold and wait to see if he can get it going as the season progresses. Jason, are you holding on Willie Castro? I have to. I have him in four leagues. <laughs> this was a guy that, I mean, I, when watching him play last year, I was just so impressed with his skills, the way he attacked the ball at the plate. Uh, was just a big fan of what I saw last year. And then he look, look at the underlying metrics. It all validated. It's like, yeah, this guy, this was legit. Uh, and then this year, he's just looked lost uh, and much like much like scope. But I, I can't I just I can't bring myself because I know I know what he's done recently. And like this is a really bad run. I mean, he's one of the reasons why when I look at my my AL labor offense, I'm like, how many guys do I have hitting below 200? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, five of them. And he's one of them. Uh, but the problem is he also has 94 plate appearances and he's hitting 191. It's just killing me. One home run, no stolen bases, five runs driven in, six runs, and 94. But I can't – I mean, it's it's 12-team AL. What am I going to – who am I going to go pick up? It's just there's nobody out there. So I got to ride him uh, and, and and go with him. But he's too talented. I, I know it's in a shallower league. You may have to because there may be better options. But in a deep league, there is no other option. When I look at the when I look at the free agent pool, it's like, who can I go pick up? Santiago Espinal. Yeah, that'll be my guy. He plays once a week. Uh, that's it. I mean, that, I look at shortstop eligible, and he's it. Yeah, I mean, and he's got the third base eligibility too, which is always nice to be able to move a guy from corner to middle. Yeah, uh, I think in deeper formats, I, I'm trying to hold on. But obviously, shallower formats, you could probably cut bait and move on. He's got a similar issue to Mountcastle in that when you know he's making contact in the zone, it's, it's decent contact, but... He's swinging way too much outside the zone. Forty-five percent O swing percentage right now, uh, and he needs to again make a make an approach change uh, and kind of. It's interesting profile this year. I mean, he he went from uh, you know a twenty-one percent oppo percentage to a forty-one point five percent oppo percentage this year. I think he's. I don't know what's going on there with Willie Castro. And he's he's kind of been all again going back to the lineup. Hit second yesterday, seventh, sixth, fifth, fifth, sixth. Uh, he's hit. He it looks like he's hitting second versus righties for the most part, but like there's no rhyme or reason because other righties he's hit lower in the lineup. But he's only had two days off in the past three weeks. So again, they're continuing to play him, uh, and they're hitting him. Um, oh, I'm sorry, three days off in the past two weeks. I was looking at Wilson Ramos uh, for the days off, but yeah, they're still continuing to play him. Uh, not like they have any other options. So, you know, he's going to be out there. You just got to hope he turns it around. Yeah. I mean, the one nice thing about when you're, you know, a guy like Mountcastle, a guy like Castro, when you're on a bad team, they don't care necessarily about the results. They're just trying to give you playing time so they can get the best evaluation of you as possible. Uh, let's talk about Ingenio Suarez, who has really, really struggled to start the year. And unlike the guys we've already mentioned, this was a guy who was going inside of the top, you know, 50 to 60 picks, depending on your league. I know I've got him on a main event team, uh, and I was so stoked to get him. Got the shortstop eligibility, uh, which is great to be third and shortstop eligible, but he has just been atrocious hitting 125, 220, 292. There's four home runs, but Jason, how uh, how frustrating are, or frustrated are you with Eugenio Suarez right now? 
have him nowhere. But honestly, I mean, did we not see this coming with the shift to a, a high exposure defensive responsibility? I mean, we saw it last year with Avisail Garcia. He's not the only guy. But guys that have to take over a new defensive position tend to have struggles out of the gate. And uh, Garcia, as much as we liked him coming into last year, had a horrendous time when he had to flip over to center field and replace Kane when Kane opted out of the season. Uh, and we're seeing the 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 struggles in the field carry over to the plate with Suarez. I mean, he's striking out 39% of the time. He's never been that guy. Uh, and he's just really lost. But the, that, that mental tax of the defense is what we're seeing played out here. So, honestly, it's not surprising. It would have been great. Like, oh, hey, he's going to get that eligibility. But at the same point, it's like it would have been better if he would have got, like, second base. Something where it's a little less taxing. I mean, shortstop is the key to everything. You know, most of those grounders are coming there. you got to turn to double plays. You're responsible for most of the range plays. There's a lot of it. And, and he's struggling, and it's carrying over here at the plate. Mike, are you worried on Suarez, or do you think he's going to turn it around? I think the power will still be there, but I don't know if the average will ever – be able to recover if he doesn't change his approach quickly, you know, because even though it's a long season, he'll still, you know, be able to have a capped bad average if he doesn't, you know, start hitting it regularly. So, I mean, I, I see him finishing around, say, uh, 260, 265-ish, say maybe 30 home runs, but, yeah, that strikeout rate needs to come down. He's not making a lot of contact at all. I think his contact percentage is in the 50s right now, which is easily, you know, a career low. So we'll see if he can get a turnaround soon. Yeah, his contact percentage is 59%. Zone contact percentage is 77%, which isn't atrocious or anything. It, it's, you know, a little bit below average. But for a guy who hits with his kind of power, uh, that's okay. I, I think he's going to end up being fine. But I do worry about what Jason's talking about in terms of kind of, you know, the, the field issues turning over and affecting him at the plate. We do see guys who, have, you know, struggling in the field carry that kind of stuff over. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think this is actionable in terms of you're not going to drop Eugenio Suarez. Like, it, it's yes, it's been a, it's been a rough month, but he could have you know huge two weeks coming up, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now the numbers look just fine. So, uh, my question though would be, Micah, would you actually try to buy low on Suarez right now? No, just because I feel like if I if I drafted him, I'm gonna just eat it. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna deal with whatever comes with it. But I'm I'm not too comfortable seeking out him right now, just because you know I don't know if say say he doesn't turn around. I'm like, dang, I shouldn't have never traded for him. So definitely a guy. If I have right now, I'm just gonna hold it and just ride it out. You know, Jason, would you try to buy low on Suarez? No. Okay. And I think this brings up a good point because often. Like, the, the easy analysis, oh, guy's struggling right now, but he'll be fine, right? So, go and buy low, but you don't always want to buy low. You want to kind of pick and choose your battles there, especially when the underlying metrics are kind of a little bit scary, which they have been so far with Suarez. So, uh, obviously, you're holding on to him, but yeah, I'm not I'm not going to actively go out and seek uh, extra uh, shares of uh, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, Alec Bohm, uh, you know, he's hitting right now, I think, 207. He's really struggled so far to start the year. Two home runs, two stolen bases. So, I mean, that's something. Uh, but, oh, sorry, he hit his third home run last night, hitting 229, 264, uh, 354. Looks like he might be starting to turn back around a little bit. Uh, are you uh, scared at all on Alec Bohm there, Micah? 
No, no, no. The, the, Alec Boehm is. I'm a, I'm a Phillies fan, so I mean. He's a homer. It, oh, that's right. I, 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 but that's. It might be a little biased, but it might be a little just because he's just he's just a good player. I mean, he he hits the ball hard so much. So I mean, he, and he, but he hits the ball hard on the ground a lot as well. So that kind of hurts his you know his batting average in general. But we see he has a 271 BAP this year. He had a 410 last year. So I I'm convinced he's smack dead somewhere right in the middle there, right somewhere around 270 batting average, three. 4350 BA uh Babbitt, you know. So I mean the more experience he gets, the more, you know, it will start to even out and the more who so look look like that 270, 25 home run, 30 home run player. Hopefully 30 home runs. I think it's more like 25, 20 home runs. Jason, you have any worries about Alec Baum? Uh no, I in fact this is the guy that I would buy like if you want to look at buy low, this is the guy that I'd be buying because I love his swing. I mean, mm-hmm. when you watch him play. Uh, the one thing his swing lacks, as Micah said, he doesn't, you know, doesn't launch a bunch. He's got a very level to slightly above level swing, uh, swing plane. So, like, yeah, twenty homers may be his captain. Obviously, he'd have to hit eighteen the rest of the way. But like, he's got pop to all field. You look at his spray chart, and he can hit the ball to all fields. And that's what I really like about him. You know, big tall dude. Uh, with it, but you look at you look at some of the other underlying metrics. You mentioned he's hitting 229. Well, his XBA is 40 uh, 40 points higher than that. So he could have been again. These numbers aren't predictive, but they, he he should be doing better than he is. And his X slug is 497. And, you know, it is uh, X woba is like 80 points higher than his actual. There's a lot of things like saying he should be better than this, and his hard hit rate's even 52. percent um, So this is a guy that I would be buying low on if I already didn't have him in a number of places. Because uh, he was one of the guys last year that I was just super impressed with watching him play the game uh, at the plate and, the, and his hitting approach and how he's able to hit the ball as a big, tall guy. You think most of the time they're just going to come in and just jam him. But, you know, he could hit. He took inside pitches one way, outside pitches another way. And just real. I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to hit for a very good average this year uh, and maybe super and surprised with some power. But he was somebody like Castro that I was targeting quite a bit. Uh, and so if I didn't already have him, I would be out chasing him uh, because I think better days are ahead for him. Yeah, I completely agree. This is a guy I would try to buy low on uh, out there. I think he's going to end up hitting 280, 20 home runs. Uh, and, I mean, it's nice to actually see him get some stolen bases early in season two already, uh, which is, you know, obviously surpassed the 44-game the sample last year, but really, you know, has never been much of a stolen base guy. But if he could add six, seven stolen bases to those 20 plus home runs and a good batting average while being first and third base eligible. Like that becomes a very, very valuable player. So yeah, definitely a guy I would try to buy low on right now is Alec Baum. Uh, Zach Plesak. So we're going to move on or sorry. We're, uh, yeah, we're going to move on to the pitching side. So Zach Plesak, um, he was a very polarizing guy coming in, right? Probably the most polarizing guy coming into draft season. Some people thought he was on the verge of becoming an ace. Some people thought he was overrated because of the short sample. Uh, Currently, he's got a 581 ERA. He's he's just about six strikeouts per nine. Uh, He's really, really struggled so far this year. Jason, do you think he's going to turn it around, or is this a little bit of who you know, maybe this is who he was and last year was just a small sample kind of goodness. Yeah, I'm leading towards the latter uh, with the change of the schedule, uh, you know, with him having to face other teams and other divisions. It's kind of, I never really liked him last year. 
Uh, and so the, yeah, I have him nowhere. Uh, when you look at what's happening, and one thing, like the fastball continues to get hit. I mean, last year it got hit, 321 uh, batting up. This year it's 375, but even the expected is 365. But like last year, the changeup is what saved him. I mean, the league really did not hit the changeup. Well, this year they're hitting the changeup. You know, last year they hit a buck 25 off the changeup, and it was his tertiary pitch. This year, it's still his tertiary pitch, and they're hitting 320 off it. Uh, and so, like, he's throwing 91 uh, of them, and the league's hitting 320. The XBA uh, is not doing any favors, and the slugging's like, yep, this pitch is not good. So maybe he just lost the feel for the changeup a little bit. And so it's mostly fastball slider. And so he's pitching with a bullpen profile at the moment. Uh, and ultimately, I think that's what's doing him wrong. If the changeup can come back and he can get a better feel for it, then he's in better shape. But right now, that, that pitch appears lost for him. And he's got a 17% whiff rate on it. It was 36% last year. I mean, that's a, he's lost a lot off that changeup this season as far as uh, outcomes. And he needs to get that back for him to have a successful path forward. Micah, are you, are you a believer in uh, Plesak? Or uh, do you think that this is uh, we got a little bit overhyped from last year? Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jason. I mean, and just in general, you know, he, he kind of over he did overperform last year, you know. But this year we see that he's still not walking guys, but he's not really commanding his pitches as well as he could as he could be. You know, he's leaving some pitches over to hard to plate, um, just some costly pitches and some costly time at at some costly time. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not buying. He was he was the guy last year. I wasn't buying it in the offseason. I'm still not buying it now. So I mean. But I do think he can be a solid fantasy contributor. Just don't expect a guy that's going to go out there and just pitch eight innings to get 11 strikeouts, you know, anytime soon. I don't think he's that type of guy. Yeah, this is the real distinction between a guy who's got good control and good and and or good command, right? Because he has good control. He can get it to the zone. It's yeah. the, it's the command within the zone that has been the problem, and that leads to home runs. I will say that in you know one of the one of the uh, criticisms that I heard a lot of, and I think Jason already mentioned it, was that he only pitched in the Central. He's only pitched in the Central this year. All of his games have been against Detroit, Chicago, White Sox, and the Minnesota Twins. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you take out that one just absolutely atrocious start, which obviously you can't do this, but uh, if you take out the the two-thirds of an inning where he gave up uh, six runs against the White Sox, he's got a 386 ERA. Um, so I think he's He's one of those guys where he's going to be better, right? Because Especially because he can go so deep into games. In, in four of his five starts, he's gone at least five innings. He's gone uh, six and three of those, and then seven or deeper um, in two of those starts. So like, he's a guy who's going to volume his way to some value, but there are going to be some bumpy roads. Uh, the surprising part to me is just the strikeouts not being there. Like, like I, I understand, like... You know, we saw the strikeout bump last year, and maybe it could have been a mirage a little bit. But I'm just a bit surprised that the strikeouts have just tailed off so much. Uh, he's got 11% swing and strike rate, um, a 27% CSW. I think he's a guy that will be better than he is right now, obviously. But I, I, I think people who thought he was going to be an ace coming into the season may be fooling themselves uh, a little bit. Uh, that being said, he has been a bit unlucky as well. So, I mean, 55% left on base percentage. That should turn around. I think this is a guy who's probably like a low fours ERA, but gets a ton of innings and can volume his way to some decent strikeouts. So, that is value, just not if you were taking him in the third or fourth round this year. All right. 
Sorry, to shake my head because Matt Adams is starting today over CJ Crone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Matt Adams. I didn't it's realize Sunday. Matt Adams is still in baseball. It's when Sunday. Get back in baseball? It, it's, it, it's a Sunday. People giving guys days off, you know, day game after name, night games, I think. Come on. <laughs> uh, Lucas Giolito uh, is probably the highest drafted guy uh, on this list today. Uh, 568 ERA uh, so far to start the season. Uh, any worries on Lucas Giolito there, Micah? I'm not. No, I'm not worried. I mean, we know the kind of pitcher he is. Uh, fastball, you know, mid 90s, uh, then a changeup type guy. So, I mean, I think as the season goes on, he'll get better and better. He's one of those guys that's off to just a slow start, you know, like Luis Castillo, guys like that. So, I mean, I I think as a warmer weather gets warmer, who who uh, you know just keep getting better and better. I'm not I'm not too worried. Jason, any worries on Giolito? No, because when you look at, you know, the none of us were worried about him until his last two outings. And, like, the Patriots day game against Boston where, like, he's like, I suck during day games. And he validated that quite a bit. Uh, and there was concerns that there was some uh, sign stealing happening. And then the last one, LaRusso just fell asleep at the wheel again. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it, like, G-leaders never should have come back out for that inning. And there he is. Uh, you know, out there admittedly pitching on fumes. And there's no reason for that. So it's like, no, get a better manager. I, I Honestly, I, I hate the fact Tony LaRusso is managing this team. This team is so good on paper. And like, even today, he he benched your mean Mercedes because he arrived late at the park. And Jake Lamb is playing today. And in a statement, he said, Lamb and Mercedes aren't that far apart. The man's drinking again? I don't know. Wow. How are Lamb and Mercedes not that far apart? Come on. But... <laughs> It was a dumb hire when they did it. They never should have done it. Uh, I, I really want him off that roster uh, and putting it, give it back to Renteria. They never should have replaced him in the first place, but it is yuck. Uh, but no, I'm not worried about him at all. Just LaRusse has got to stay awake and, and pay attention when his pitchers look like he's out there on fumes. Then yank him. Don't let him do this. He's given up 11 earned runs in seven and two thirds over these last two starts. Better days are ahead. Yeah, I mean, he still has a 331 XERA, 297 XFIP, uh, you know, 35% strikeout percentage, 113 whip, like, in spite of the struggles, like, uh, I think he's going to be fine, so, or actually, sorry, I I was looking at the wrong page, those are the next guy's numbers we're going to talk about uh, that I'm not very worried about, but I'm not worried about Giolito, those numbers, underlying numbers, were the numbers of Andrew Heaney, so I've let the cat out the bag. He's got a 525 ERA. Uh, Jason, uh, obviously, I believe that Andrew Heaney is going to be fine. Do you believe Andrew Heaney is going to be fine? Yeah, you. Uh, that was your other guy. That, uh-huh. that we were like, this is my guy. He's uh, always and, been my guy. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he is what he is. I mean, when you look at the other when you look at the How overall dare numbers, you? How dare you speak about him like that? <laughs> As our friends like to say, he's a Toby. Sorry, that's what Ooh. he is. <laughs> You guys can't see it because we're just doing audio, but I'm I'm falling over because the the pain that Jason is causing me right now. It, that's what he is. I mean, it, it's just when you look at the other numbers, it's like nothing is saying. It, it's crazy when you look at the like even just his BA and his XBA, everything is within a point or two of one another. It's like there's nothing to say. Oh, he's doing. He's unlucky or he's been too lucky. It's like he is what he is. This is what he is. Uh, it hasn't helped that the bullpen hasn't really helped him out at all, uh, much either. Uh, behind him, but he's having a Andrew Heaney it like season. They're going to have your ups and downs uh, throughout it. I don't expect this ERA to finish the season over five, but I do expect to finish it over four. 
Uh, so if you you know somebody else has had to absorb the 5.25 ERA uh, in other leagues where Justin's not in, so <laughs> it's like you can you can get a chance to get the better days ahead. So maybe he runs like a 4.25 the rest of the way. If it's between a four and 4.25 the rest of the way, which would be good, uh, obviously. Uh, but it's like if you own him already, you've had to absorb the 5.25. So there's only so much uh, more improvement. But honestly, he is what he is. Micah, where are you out on injury, Annie? I think I think he's a guy that will continue to improve as long as he can stay healthy. That first start of the season kind of destroyed his ratios. He had like seven run, runs, I think, to the um, uh, the White Sox. So yeah, I mean, then now he has like a, I think it's a three uh three point ERA over the last four starts. So I mean, he's he's getting going. He has he's gained lot, lots of whiffs on that fastball, uh, lots of arm side run on that fastball too. So it's kind of you know buckling up left hand hitters, which is you know fun to see. But I mean. I think he's a guy that will definitely still hold, you know, starting pitcher at four or five value going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Andrew Haney, and obviously I'm biased because he's like one of my children because I've just been in on him for so long. Uh, but, yeah, the, the first the first start is really kind of trash to the overall line, and he's been actually really, really good and, and had kind of a rough schedule starting out. I mean, he, he started out with that, you know, that just – bummer of a game versus the White Sox going up again, but then he blanked Toronto in Toronto, uh, you know, did well against uh, Minnesota, and then again, one earned run in six and a third with 10 strikeouts against Houston. I think he's uh, he's a guy when his mechanics are fluid and sound, he's fine, uh, and so far since that first game, he has been that way, so I actually really like Andrew Heaney the rest of the way. Shocker, right? Uh, no, shocker, shocker, shocker. By the way, did you see who led the league and swings and misses last night? I did not. Was it? Oh, I yeah. Sam Canning, 24. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, a guy who had an 8-10 ERA coming into the game, 24 swings and misses last night. <laughs> it's like job saver. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, me, job saver, like I have him in a league and I was seriously considering just like getting rid of him. Because <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, if you were worried about an injury, every time I watch that guy pitch, I think his arm's going to go off. Yeah, I mean, I think Canning's one of those guys. The question is, like, how deep are they going to let him go into games? Last night was nice because it was the first first game of his last three starts where they let him go five innings. Um, yeah, injuries are always the concern, but I was surprised. I got a lot of Griffin Canning this year, largely because everybody was so stoked on him coming into 2020, right? Like, everybody, yeah. he was everybody's sleeper pitcher, and then all of a sudden, nobody likes Griffin Canning. And, like, I understand the, the injury risk, but when you're getting a guy outside the top 350 picks, like, it's 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 all just an upside play, right? You're taking a dart throw. Uh, and I think Canning's one of those guys. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a very, very good pitcher. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed that start on my bench last night. <laughs> yeah, he was on my bench, too, in the Barf League. So I, on I, my bench. And don't think about activating him this week because he's got the Dodgers. Yeah, no, he's yeah probably. So he's going to stay on my bench this week. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, um, we didn't know where he was going to be coming, you know, at, at the end of last year, there was a lot of reports he could retire, uh, signs a one-year deal with the Braves, uh, has really struggled so far to start the season with 476 ERA. Uh, Jason, where are you at on your old friend, Charlie Morton? So the, the area of that I wouldn't be concerned about, so last year, 
when he when he pitched, uh, you know, remember he came out of the gate really slow velocity wise, like he was sitting low 90s. Uh, and like even on the gear, he averaged 93 four uh, on his fastball this year. It's 95 one. So he's throwing a little harder, which so that's like we can rule out we can rule out velocity being the issue because he's he's throwing back where he was in 2019. So that we can go ahead and say, never mind. Uh, it's just when you when you try to look at some of the other numbers, the, the curveball and fastball are holding up well for him, but it's the other bit, the sinker cutter mix, trying to move side to side is not working out well for him. Uh, we're seeing some more guys doing that. Uh, you know, there have been, we were talking about Dustin May, a guy that works side to side in, in the zone. Uh, and some other guys, Griffin Canning is a guy that works side to side for the most part. And Morton, when he works with the fastball up and the curveball down, when he when he uses the Tampa Bay approach, he's done well. When he uses the sinker cutter and tries to go side to side, both those pitches league are hitting over 300 against him. Uh, and so that's where he's that's where he's absorbing a lot of his pain. Uh, but if you're worried about like, oh, he's, he's been he's having issues because of velocity, don't because he's throwing harder than he did last year. And that's usually when I'm looking at Morton and why he's, if he's having trouble. That's the first place I look because last year when he was working, you know, 90 to 92, he was more hittable. Uh, and so uh, it's to me, it's like, let's get back to throwing. I don't know if there's something physically different, like his fast his curveball and four seam fastball mixture is 58%. Last year it was 68%. Uh, and the season before in 2019, it was uh, 64%. So he's, he's throwing more of the sinkers than he has. And I don't know if this is an, uh, an Atlanta thing where they're asking him, Hey, throw. Cause he hasn't thrown the sinker that often since 2018. Yeah, I, I don't. Hmm. I'm gonna get Micah's thoughts. Micah, what are your thoughts on Charlie Morton? Are you are you worried on him? I'm not worried. I just I'm not gonna have super high like ace like expectations. You know, I'm not gonna expect you know uh, these ace like starts. I think what he's doing right now, he's being a little inconsistent. Um, the ground ball rate is still there. His uh, FIP, XF, F, XFIP, stuff like that, Sierra are a lot lower than his actual ERA. So I think there are better days ahead. I think he'll be that type of, you know, 3.5-ish ERA-type guy. So I think better days are definitely ahead for him. I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. His first pitch strike rate is 56%, which is way below uh, where he was the last few years uh, in Tampa Bay. Um, I'm I'm not super worried on Morton because he's healthy, right? Like, the my biggest concern with Morton coming in the season was he – was, you know, struggled with injuries towards the end of last season. We all know that, you know, his his career had been derailed early on in his career by injuries. And he seems to be healthy. I'm, you know, I love the fact that he is getting more ground balls uh, and not at the cost of his strikeout rate. So I think he's going to be fine. I just, something is just a little bit off with, uh, with, with Morton right now. And it, it may be what Jason was speaking about. So I'm not, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to try to go buy low on him or anything right now, but I'm definitely not like cutting bait. Uh, oh, and I didn't even include his uh, his his stats in last night for his ERA. So his ERA so far is 508 uh, so far this season. Uh, Madison Baumgartner uh, is who we're going to finish out on. Um, and, you know, typically I wouldn't want to talk about Madison Baumgartner in terms of like where he's at stat wise because he's struggling. Well, yeah, he's struggling. He struggled the last few years. But he has a 5.58 ERA in spite of the fact of throwing a no-hitter. And I will call it a no-hitter because Please it is do. a no-hitter. Do. <laughs> um, I don't care what Major League Baseball or Elias Sports says. Uh, he So in spite of the fact he threw a seven-inning no-hitter, he still has a 5.58 ERA. Micah, are, 
What are you doing with Bumgarner? If if you picked him up, are you dropping him quickly? I was initially out on Bumgarner after his first first couple of starts, not just because of the performance, just because it kind of carried over from his twenty twenty um performance. But his his velocity is up. I mean, he's touching ninety two miles per hour. He was touching like eighty nine, ninety in twenty twenty. So that's a good sign. And we see you know the results are following this. So I mean, there's some intrigue here. But his his ground ball percentage is super low. I mean, and he's not allowing as many home runs as you expect with the guy allowing as many fly balls as he is. So I think there could be some. You know, bad starts coming if you're going to get that ground ball percentage up a little bit. Jason, where are you at on Bumgarner? All right, so and yeah, including the including the no hitter, but like stretch it out over the last three starts. I mean, coming into coming into his start on the 18th against the Nationals, he had an 11.20 ERA and a 2.20 WHIP over his first three starts. So he's taken that down in half from 11.20 to 5.58, and the WHIP from 2.20 to 124. Uh, that's what he's done over the last three starts. Pitching five, seven, and five, allowing a total of eight base runners in 17 innings with 17 strikeouts and two run runs. I mean, that's not, you missed that for the most part. You likely had probably cut bait on him after the first three starts. You're like, oh, this guy's trash. He's garbage. Goodbye. Uh, so you may have missed that. But, you know, the overall profile is, isn't exciting. But if you're in a deeper format and let's say like you've lost Dustin May. There's a good chance that he that uh, Bumgarner's still sitting out there. You may be able to get him. So like and, and those, it really depends on the the needs of your roster. He's not somebody that I would be targeting just because. But if I've had to absorb some pitching injuries this week, let's say I've lost Burns and I've lost May, then I go get this because you know he's going to go out there for you know, five. He's not. He's going to go out there and pitch at least five innings. He's not going to get lifted for the pinch hitter uh, because he's one of the, the couple of guys that can actually handle the bat and is not an automatic out at the plate. Um, the home runs are a thing of the past for the most part for him, but you know, he's, he's showing signs of improvement. Now, how much higher can the ceiling go? I don't know. I mean, but the fact he's made a nice dent over the last three, I mean, I, I wish I would have had him on my roster for this three straight wins, uh, after opening the season with, uh, 0-2 record and 11-20 ERA. Yeah, I mean, part of it is like he, he got to go up against Washington and Atlanta, um, two teams that, are really struggling against lefties early in the season. Sure. Um, you know, my biggest concern with Bumgarner, it's great to see that the the velocity is up, right? But this is very much Plesak-esque, right? Where he's got good control, but he still struggles with command. And I think that will come back to bite him at some point. Um, so I'm, I'm less likely to buy back in. I feel like you you just missed a lot of the goodness that you could get from a guy like Bummer. That being said, he's got a really nice schedule coming up here. I think he's got two starts uh, against the Marlins. Uh, so though the Marlins have actually been decent against yeah, lefties. but he's got no Marte, he's got no Marte and no Chisholm in those mm-hmm. games. That that should help. I mean, mm-hmm. their overall numbers are good because of the season, but you know they're missing two of their best players. Yeah, so I think I I maybe would stream him for right now, but I think he's also like. There is some risk here. There, I mean, it's not Austin Gomber esque risk, but um, or it actually could be because we we've seen that already. Don't get Gomber. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think there is a fair amount of risk to try just trying to stream Bumgarner right now, and there's a price attached to it. So, if you're trying to pick him up in Fab, uh, you know, you're you're gonna have to pay a pretty penny. I don't think I would be willing to pay, uh, you know, more than you know, twenty thirty bucks in a thousand Fab league. I just, I'm not going to pay very much to go get him. All right. That is going to wrap us up for this episode. Micah, thank you for joining us. 
For sure, bro. This was actually this was fun. I mean, I got I got I got to come on again. Yeah, sure. we definitely yes. have you on again. Uh, like I said, you're one of my favorite kind of newer people in the industry, uh, and uh, love those threads you do on Twitter. Remind everybody where you reach on uh, on social media, and then plug everything you do. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Fancy Central One. That's number one, and uh, I'm running for uh, Fantrax right now. Uh, NewLifeFancy.com and RotorRings.com. And I also have my uh, Fancy Insiders podcast that hopefully is uh, gets back up and running soon. And in regards to Fantrax.com, I have a um, a trends piece coming up. It's going to it basically be me analyzing you know player trends as the season progresses. So look out for that. Nice, definitely will be looking out for that. Really appreciate you coming on. Jason, where can you be reached on social media, and what are you working on? Sure. Uh, so you can reach me at Jason Colette. Uh, you may be able to also find me at a lot of ballparks. Uh, I'm getting out there. Uh, so I am, uh, let's see, Thursday, let's see, well, let's see, Wednesday night, I am doing the uh, Rob DiPietro's uh, podcast, the uh, Deadpool Hitter podcast on Wednesday with Yancey Eaton. So the three of us are going to be doing that, which should be fun. So you're just uh, going to talk about us- race. Pretty much, but we're also in the same TGFBI league, uh, oh. and, and Rob and I are at the top of the standings, and Yancey is not. I got to look down quite a bit to find Yancey. I know he's listening, so I'm saying that now. Uh, <laughs> and so he said the uh, he's in the league. So that, but then the next night I'm going to the Canapolis Cannonballers game. Uh, so first live baseball uh, since uh, first pitch, Florida. <laughs> uh, so wow. going to Can- Cannonballers, they have a brand new stadium that was supposed to open last year. Uh, didn't I mean there the previous ballpark in Kannapolis was arguably the worst one in the minor leagues I mean it was just terrible I I went one time and I was like I can't do this again uh, and so this I'm uh, excited to check out the new one and then the following Tuesday uh, Charlotte Knights going to bark in the park and bringing Louie uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, and then uh, just made plans I gotta get the ticket uh, but going to Cleveland uh, to check out Progressive Field I've never been there so that'll be ballpark 29. Uh, or 28, because 29 will be Texas in June uh, with my son when the Rays play there. So getting out there and, and, and buying some seats in the open areas where I can control the space around me. But uh, I got to get back to live baseball, man. I can't. I got to get out to the ballpark again. I, I've, I've run my limit, fully vaccinated and uh, and uh, still taking precautions. But I got to get back to live baseball. Yeah, I haven't been to a live baseball game since 2018 i want to say god that's that's crazy because i had my kid in 2019 and then um and then uh yeah i didn't obviously go last year and haven't been this year so and probably won't this year so that's i can't wait to get back to a live game uh you can reach me on twitter at just mason fwfb uh you can read i'm, I'm writing pretty much daily at fan graphs daily at fantasy alarm uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits and TGFBI.com. And obviously, you can hear me on this podcast, Sleeper and, or, well, this is the Sleeper and Must, this, this podcast. <laughs> I'm so used to doing this spiel in other places. Uh, TGFBI podcast and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. That will wrap us up for Jason, Micah, and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. <laughs>